Hello folks, Garth from Strength and Shred and today we're going to talk about intermittent fasting and different ways of performing an intermittent fast, the goods, the bads, the uglies, why it works for some people and why it doesn't work for others. Before we do, a little disclaimer and just to be sure to check in with your GP or doctor to see if you're okay to attempt some kind or some form of intermittent fast. Got that out of the way. So it's been around since humans roamed the earth as intermittent fasting because as we all know, supermarkets haven't been around uh, for the entirety of our existence. So we used to hunt and roam and kind of forage and gather certain foods depending on where you were on the planet. So it's been around for about two and a half million years give or take a, f a few hundred thousand years we don't really know but it's about two and a half million years since we've started roaming the earth and since people kind of found tools that we had and because of this time frame of two and a half million years the body has probably gone through a bit of a evolution kind of change and a chance to figure out what is best in regards to survival now, a lot of people think of the body as a machine, almost like a car. You can just turn it off and turn it on whenever you like. Us humans are a little bit more biological uh, than that. We work different to machines. Different things occur at different times within our body. And later on, we will talk a little bit about our circadian rhythm, our essentially our biological 24-hour clock, and how intermittent fasting has been shown to make us healthier as a whole in some research studies. So intermittent fasting, what is it? Because some people go, well, it's this. No, it's that. No, you're not properly fasting here. This is how you do it. Jane over the road says it's this way, yada, yada, yada. Basically, intermittent fasting, it's an umbrella term that represents a period of time when you consume no energy from food or drink. Now, this might be a 12-hour time frame, and it can be all the way up to three days from what I've read. So some, some is a little bit more easier to achieve in three days. certainly sounds like can help to me, so something I definitely wouldn't do myself. And even some cultures even laugh at the idea that one of the most popular fasts out there, which is a 16-8, so a 16-hour restriction, is even a real fast. They say you need to hit about 24 hours at least in some cases. So essentially all you can have during this fast is water so you've got to drink water otherwise you'll die okay so and if you're medically savvy so if you're kind of fit and healthy again you know checking with gps and the relevant kind of medical staff you'd essentially you should really essentially just burn away at fat a tiny bit of muscle now that depends on how long you fast for and what you've eaten previously and again if it's long enough you'll start producing something called ketones which are produced from your liver and you'll start burning away at them I've had the privilege of meeting one chap um, through, I think where were we? I think we were in France last year, um, in Alpe d'Huez. Did a did a couple of races out there, and this guy did do uh, the ketogenic diet. Now I'm not an advocate of it. It's something certainly I won't go through with it. And I, I asked him. We're all sat eating a meal. It was interesting watching him eat, and it says it wasn't by choice. He wasn't personal preference. It was down to his certain medical condition. I can't remember what it was. But he couldn't uh, eat certain foods, quite a lot of the foods, kind of obviously carbohydrate based. And I asked him, I says, how long did it take you to get from, you know, from burning this ketogenic status? And he said it, it took him about six months from that turnover 
of relying because he's a keen cyclist that turnover of kind of relying on ketones is kind of an energy source something I, I certainly wouldn't go through myself he did say it was living hell but he's got there but anyway back to the point the only intermittent fasting I've taken part in I'll be honest is the one where you fast for 16 hours that 16 8 one and essentially what I'm doing I'm eating my last meal of the day at about 6 maybe 8 p.m depending on what time I finish work and I won't touch any food or drink that has energy in for 16 hours and I'll eat again the following day at about 12-ish. Again, I'm not clock watching. If I'm an hour over or an hour before, I'm not bothered. So I'm essentially what I'm doing with my intermittent fast. I do it about once a month. I'm occasionally just skipping breakfast. In essence, that's all you're really doing. And in one corner of the ring, we've got lots of books and literature out there that would state that you are allowed a caffeinated beverage, whether it's a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, maybe one, maybe two, maybe even three during this time frame of fasting. And in the other corner of the ring would state that this isn't allowed. So one saying it's, it's all right, one saying it's not. And I get both arguments because due to the fact that the liver still has to metabolize caffeine, it's therefore not a true fast. If you're looking for calorie restriction, I don't see any harm in having one or two cups of coffee or cups of tea, even with a drop of milk in. Think about the calories that are in skimmed or even full fat milk. It's it's minimal. But if you're looking for full rest and repair and that rejuvenation process, then yeah, don't have anything apart from water. I agree with that. So I see that I see it from both sides. And if you are thinking about doing a fast of some description, think about your own personal mission here. Just yourself and just forget about Jane over the road that has all the answers about health and fitness for a second. And the fact is most attempt fasts in the hope to achieve a reduction in body fat percentage when i do it when i do that 16 8 and i do it like i said before i do it about once a month and i do do it to regain or just to kind of manage my body fat percentage if you do it correctly you will achieve it now think of this as learning to swim for the first time if you haven't tried it forget about the deep end and let's all go find our armbands with finding nemo on and let's get familiar with the shallow end and just get the basics right first before we start throwing ourselves, as I say, into the deep end. So in essence, forget about any crazy-ass three-day fasts. Personally, I think you'd be mad to attempt it if you're a busy individual like the most of us. So reducing body fat percentage is one benefit of intermittent fasting, but there are others. We all keep ranting and raving on about weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. But there is other benefits of intermittent fasting. There are other benefits such as you can you can boost your own immune system. Researchers have shown this um, throughout a different range of fasting methods, which we'll discuss later. It's been found that it also helps our hormone insulin become more sensitive to certain foods, probably carbohydrate. Now, this is especially beneficial for keeping type 2 diabetes at bay or even pre-diabetes. So basically, your body... Can use insulin a lot more effectively if you attempt uh, a fast. It can also improve our cholesterol biomarkers. When I say biomarkers, I'm talking about LDLs and HDLs. So LDLs, we're talking about low-density lipoproteins and HDLs, high-density lipoproteins. We won't go into detail of what they are and what they do, but we need them. And in essence, because it improves our cholesterol biomarkers, in turn, it helps with that internal inflammation of the body, which is huge for preventing and just offsetting cardiovascular disease, which is 
America's number one killer and it's the UK's number one killer. So yeah, it's pretty important. Well, the research I've had a little delve into, the research is all pointing in the direction of what intermittent fasting helps with is essentially repair and recovery when it comes to a fast. So it gives an opportunity to the body, a chance of some rejuvenation. So what kind of different fasts are out there, the intermittent fasting? The one I've already mentioned, which I sometimes do once a month, is the 16-8. So 16 hours of not consuming energy from water or food, but you do have an eight-hour window opportunity of consuming your energy. And it's, it's ample, it's enough. And how I do it is that I use the sleeping time period of throwing those hours in so you barely notice it. So yeah, yeah. Worst case scenario, if I eat my last meal, again, it's not a massive amount of food. It's just a normal portion, so about 600, maybe 700 calories at 8 o'clock. Let it digest, hit the hay about half 10, 11 o'clock, and then sleep. Wake up, know the fact that I'm not going to be eating breakfast, so I'll keep myself occupied. Another good tip there. And I won't eat until kind of half 11, 12, half 12, whatever. I'm not too fussed. Like I said, I'm not kind of clock watching. But what I have got organized is that lunch. It's ready to rumble when I am, when I'm ready to go, when I'm ready to eat. So sometimes you are pretty hungry. Sometimes you're not. It's kind of weird how it works. And I'm sure there's some physiological and biological explanation for that. I have heard that we do go through four hour cycles of, of hunger within that hunger hormone called ghrelin. Maybe it's come in the morning, as I am. I am pretty hungry first thing in the morning, but after an hour or so, it does kind of subside. But yeah, keep yourself busy and have your lunch ready for that 16-8. Next method is something called the 5-2 diet, and you've probably heard of it if you've watched kind of any documentaries on TV or read any books in intermittent fasting. And it's basically where the 5-2 diet is two days a week where you will really restrict your energy intake and it's to about 20 to 25 percent of your recommended daily allowance whatever yours is in some books it will just say just have 600 to 800 calories for those intermittent fasting days so you might do it on a monday you just eat 600 calories and it says don't do it on consecutive days so you want a good few days off so you might eat or drink 600 calories on a monday and then you might want to do it on a Saturday as well. I guess everyone's circumstances is different and you gotta play it to your own advantage with that one. And with that one as well, the 5-2, as well as the 16-8, it has similar kind of physiological benefits to it, what the research states. Because there's no energy coming in and because there's no carbohydrate coming in as well, and you haven't got an opportunity to overconsume on your protein, which can boost your insulin levels, Insulin becomes really sensitive as well. And it also, again, as we've mentioned, it helps out with your cholesterol biomarkers, which helps out with internal inflammation, especially around those arteries. And of course, because of the lack of energy coming in, there's no doubt you're going to produce some kind of energy deficit, a calorie deficit. So body fat percentage will go down a little bit slowly, but surely it's not going to happen in a, in a click of a finger. But an important factor to mention with the 5-2 and the 16-8 is that when you do get to the opportunity of, of actually eating and drinking again, don't make up from what you've not eaten or drunk if, you're, if your mission is to lose a bit of body fat. You can't make up for it, otherwise it's pointless. Yeah, you would have had a bit of rejuvenation whatnot, but if you're looking to kind of shred a few pounds over a long period of time, don't make up for it. So just eat your normal 
lunch again, 600, 800 calories, depending on what your objectives are. And then comes to the evening meal again. Again, don't overconsume. Don't think, well, I fasted so I can I can eat and drink whatever I want. Because you will. And everything, all the gains that you would have achieved would have been lost. Next method of intermittent fasting is a full day fast. So 24 hours of not consuming anything other than water. Again, not something I've tried. And it's certainly something I'm not going to try in the future. But as research has it, it has similar effects and benefits from what I've stated previously. And it goes on. Two-day fast, three-day fast, etc., etc. So yeah, intermittent fasting is an umbrella term for a wide range of fasting methods, but it, it does seem to kind of correlate. The longer that you fast for, the more unpleasant the experience is, and the more unpleasant something is, the less likelihood you're probably going to do it. And if you're not going to do it, you ain't going to achieve what you hope to achieve. And that's the exact reason why I choose the 16-8. It's short, it's sweet, and it certainly is achievable for me. It works for me. It might not work for you. It might be too long. It might be too short. Might, you might think it's pointless. But for me, from an individual point of view, it works for me. And like I say, I will knock that out about once a month uh, if I am looking to just kind of just get a little bit more body fat off me for whatever reason. Everyone's got their own different reasons with that. And if I've had a takeaway the night before, and it's quite often, there's a, there's a kind of a trend going on here when I think about it. More often than not, I kind of fast the following day if the night before I've had an Indian takeaway where there's rice, there's a lot of it, there's, there's naan breads kicking off, and there's a lot of kind of oily substance in the curry. And the chances are of me intermittent fasting the following day, I'm not going to be kind of losing any weight or body fat, so to speak, but I'm probably keeping things at a level playing ground. I probably gained back a lot of the calories that I overconsumed the night before. And that is often when I do it. Your situation might be completely different. Let's not forget, we need to be super patient when it comes to losing weight. Because weight, as we gain weight, it takes time. And it's going to take time to lose it as well. For some reason, people are under the impression that as soon as they make a little bit of effort, in a weight loss regime, they expect instant results and it's, it's simply not the case. And just don't forget, if you're going for the fast that I go for, which is 16-8 on a, you know, rare occasions, once a month, if that, again, I don't clock it down on my diary, I don't really know, I think it's about once a month. I'm only kind of saving and regaining about four, 400, maximum 600 calories. And if it, if it takes 3,500 calories to lose a whole actual pound of fat, that's a few fasts. That's like seven. So it's huge. But don't forget, we've got other ways of, of, of losing weight and combining things like exercise. Some of the studies I read before this podcast, you know, some of these fasts integrated exercise regimes, you know, three times a week. And there were nothing, anything fancy. You know, it was like 25 minute exercise sessions on a stationary bike or um on a cross trainer and it just went up as as a once as the months went by you know a bit of natural progression so yeah add exercise to your fasting days as well i'm just going to finish with talking about our circadian rhythm and how this can help us in terms of the timings of when we eat and drink our, our energy the circadian rhythm is something i didn't plan on talking about before this podcast when i kind of do a little little bit of note taking so I can get my shit together before I start talking to this microphone. But the more I read, the more I went down this rabbit hole into circadian rhythm and when we eat our foods. 
and drink our drinks. So essentially the timings of our foods are found that have a big dif- uh, big difference in regards to kind of not just health, but also waistline, you know. So uh, the circadian rhythm is our biological 24-hour clock. So it's just a posh name for our 24-hour clock, biological, biologically speaking. So through a, through a 24-hour cycle, for a typical human being, we're awake, obviously, and we're asleep. And what we find is that when we wake, we have certain hormones that are skyrocketing in the morning. They are so high, and they gradually go down throughout our, our waking day. One that's super high in the morning is cortisol. And there's a couple of others that are on their way down from being super high as well, which is human growth hormone and testosterone. Now, that is in females as well. Obviously, you have testosterone as well. And they're on their way down. And those two, human growth hormone and testosterone, they they peaked about four to five hours during your your sleep, assuming you had good good sleep. And that's, that's for recovery purposes. Things are rejuvenating as we sleep, hence why we sleep. Recover, repair and recover. But interestingly, it's been found that we are better when it comes to food. We are better at digesting foods a few hours after waking rather than eating straight away. So not, not straight away, just a few hours after. One study I stumbled across. Again, guys, when I say I study, it doesn't mean it's proven. It doesn't mean it's concrete. It just means it was highly suggestive. There would have been other factors in amongst it. So take it with a pinch of salt. One study found it, it did state that we can handle and deal with larger quantities of food around time frames of 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. So that three hour time frame of 9 to 12. It was different. It ranged from individual to individual because of they all got up at different times and they all went to bed at different times. So this was different. Their time frame was different. Their circadian rhythm was slightly out of sync with each other. Now, this was in regards to people's insulin sensitivity that's why they suggest that we are better at 9 and 12 12 o'clock because insulin is at its best it's it's freshest and it can get the job done with relatively speaking no questions asked now insulin has been found to be optimal again at those time frames and then gradually insulin will decrease through our day making it less effective But insulin wasn't the only player at the party, what they found with this study. They also found, they tested a few things, they also found not just insulin, but our gut bacteria, of which there are trillions and trillions. Uh, Listening to another podcast the other day, we've got 100 trillion gut bacteria uh, in our stomachs. That's more than the total population of the world at any one time and you know, it's just a huge amount of gut bacteria. So there's a lot of them. We found that insulin and gut bacteria are in an optimal state as well as when it comes to digestion. So so, so essentially, insulin and gut bacteria really helps in regards to how we break down our food and use it for energy. We're ready to rumble at those time frames. It's good to go. It's fresh. But on the other end of the scale, so not morning or brunch time, so 9 to 12 for me is kind of like brunch time. Other end of the scale, so night time. Again, different things are going on inside of our bodies. As we know, we're not as alert and we're starting to shut down. Probably getting ready for bed. So you may have heard of a hormone called melatonin. And this is our basically our sleepy hormone. It starts getting us ready to go in our little tombs again and get 7 to 9 hours kit. If you're on a routine of going to bed at about half 10 at night, which I kind of have, my, my eyelids are just 
drooping. The chances are melatonin has started flowing through your bloodstream about two to three hours before preparing you for sleep. Okay, so if I'm if I'm going to bed at half ten, melatonin's probably started about seven, half seven, eight o'clock definitely. And I am couched up by then watching telly. So melatonin why I'm telling you this, melatonin inhibits insulin to do its job properly. So it doesn't stop it doing its job, but it certainly fucking gets in its tracks and makes it very difficult. Now melatonin essentially makes insulin less effective when it arrives late to the party at night. This will mean that your pancreas, which secretes insulin, will start producing more of this insulin to get the job done. If you decided, this is assuming, if you decided to eat and drink more energy an hour or two before bed. So this for me just kind of hits home that eating large and drinking large amounts of of calories before bedtime really isn't a good thing in regards to our waistline. But if you want to burn fat, insulin is something you don't want circulating around your body when you're sleeping. You want a different hormone circulating going around your body. And it's this its opposite brother, which is glucagon. Now, glucagon can access carbohydrate from muscle cells. Glucagon can access fat from fat cells to use it as energy. You want glucagon circulating around your body at sleep, not insulin. Now, unfortunately for people that do night shifts and then go to day shifts on a regular basis, so their body clock is all over the place, the reading isn't good in regards to type 2 diabetes and, and being overweight and obese. Those people are more at risk uh, of those certain certain factors and it's a circadian rhythm that dictates when certain hormones are secreted through our 24-hour clock we are as humans designed to sleep during night when it's dark and get up when it's light and as usual i'll finish with a little bit of conclusion and, and a few tips to go to go away with here i've got four for you tip number one don't eat we've had this before don't eat massive amounts of food before bed if you are going to have a little bit of something if you feel a little bit peckish, have like a little, a little protein-based snack. or Typically when there's protein, there's, there's fat involved with it as well. So have a little protein-stroke fat-based snack. This might be a piece of cheese, for example, or something low on the glycemic index. So something that's super slow at releasing carbohydrate. Maybe an apple. So maybe a piece of cheese and an apple. Okay, tip number one. Tip number two, avoid eating that kebab at 3 a.m., Typically, you've probably had a bucket load of booze as this can affect our sleeping patterns the next day or two. I've certainly experienced this. It can certainly put you out of of your circadian rhythm if you start eating at odd times that you're not used to. And if you've got poor sleep, that typically leads to poor decisions. Tip number three, don't go extreme if you are going to attempt an intermittent fast. Start out with, I would recommend, again, check with your GP, start out with with skipping breakfast on a day when you know you're going to be preoccupied, when you're going to be busy, your mind's going to be taken off any potential hunger. Not everyone feels hungry during these little fasts. Uh, I do, so I keep myself busy. I'm typically working. Then just eat a normal-sized lunch or dinner. So, But don't just eat what you want. Get the nutrients in. Actually nourish your body and get some proper nutrition in. Tip number four. Continue to keep an eye on the calories consumed. These are obviously important, but also think about when your body uh, is at its best to deal with that energy so it can metabolize it properly. So maybe we have a look at eating. Maybe we wake up, 
travel to work and then eat breakfast at work. I'm not sure if you can do that. I'm self-employed. I do it, but you know, have a chat with your boss. So there we have it, intermittent fasting. There's different forms of it. I'm sure there's many other different forms and methods of intermittent fasting that I've not mentioned. I've mentioned the 5-2. I've mentioned the 16-8. I've mentioned the full day, <laughs> two-day and three-day. But if it's something you haven't tried, give it a go if you are struggling with your waistline. Give it a go if you feel as if you need to help out with your cholesterol levels, as the research suggested it helps out with that and its biomarkers. And who knows, it might teach you a little bit of self, self-discipline, self getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Not a bad way to go sometimes, because sometimes we are stuck in cir- circumstances where we haven't got food or energy available to us. So thanks for listening. If you want any more information or ask me any questions, you can do. You can find me on Instagram at Garth Strength and, Strength and Shred. Or you can go on my website at www.strengthandshred.co.uk. Chat soon.